Roundtable. Brought to you by The Simple Investor, making the world of real estate investment simple. The Free-For-All Roundtable, round one. On round one today, Jerry Agar is here from The Jerry Agar Show. Dave Trafford is with the Canadian Council for Public-Private Partnerships. Yvonne Baker, Liberal MPP, and Christy Blatchford from the National Post. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Good morning. morning. Um, we just talked about Bombardier with our business analyst, and I'm wondering about your thoughts on this. Uh, $372 million interest-free loan from the federal government to tide them over until the next time they can't make a buck. Jerry? Yeah, uh, well, we'll see how it tides them over and whether we get paid back. I was just doing some reading this morning um, that asked the question, does Bombardier pay these loans back? We don't know. The government won't tell us, which uh, then leads me to suspect the answer is no, they don't. This is a company on welfare. And uh, yeah, I would like to extend. They don't get it from the federal government. They get it from you. It's been taken from your pocket and given to one of the least efficient companies in Canada. But we're going to get those lovely whisper jets. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> Dave? Well, it, yeah, and I think the distinction here is that it's the aircraft division, not the streetcar division. Having said that, the brand is actually, you know, damaged by the, the experience we're having here in Toronto. But that was my question this morning as soon as I heard this. Are they going to be on time and paying these things back as they were vis-a-vis -vis the, the streetcars? And are yep. they going to actually uh, rag the puck and kind of delay this whole thing? That's one thing. The other thing is that the government in Ottawa is using the same argument we heard at City Hall. We're doing this to save tr uh, Canadian jobs and so on. And I say, I guess that's uh, fairly, you know, it, that's important to some degree. But don't underestimate the notion that this isn't political because let's face it, they canceled jets on Billy Bishop. That killed a huge order for Bombardier. The feds had to come in there somehow and make that up and this is how they're doing it. We talked uh, this morning on the morning brief at 617 with Scott Reed, uh, who was fairly jaundiced about the whole thing. It is very unusual for people to win elections. Harper was able to do it, but not many times has it happened in the past. You do not win federal elections without seats in Montreal. That is why we are seeing this money go there. And Montreal, Toronto, those two, three places where there are clutches of seats like that with that power, with that symbolic political power, those places will find a way of winning arguments of this kind. All right, Ivan Baker, is it good politics or good business? Well, it's, it's, it's probably good politics, right, as, as, as the guys were talking about. There's a lot of jobs involved, and people locally will be relieved to know that those jobs are going to stay. But whether it's good business or not, the devil's in the details, to be honest. Like, we in Ontario, we in Canada are in competition for jobs with New York, with Pennsylvania, with, with other jurisdictions around the world for those manufacturing jobs that Donald Trump keeps talking about bringing back. And so, on the one hand, there are truly companies who make decisions as to where they're going to invest and build manufacturing based on what level of government support they get. On the other hand, there are a lot of companies who come to government and say, we need the money, otherwise we're going to go build elsewhere, and they don't really mean it. They're bluffing. And so the question is, is does Bombardier need this $370-odd million to create those jobs, or would they have done that otherwise? And if they would have done it regardless of the government support, then it's a waste of money. If they needed the money to stay, then, then maybe it's a good investment if they pay it back, and we as taxpayers get a good return on the money. Yeah, they laid off 1,700 people, by the way, and what could we have done for employment if the $375 million would have been left in the pockets of the people who earned it in the first place? Yeah, and that's one of the things that absolutely has to be considered. I, I completely agree. But the devil's in the details on, the, on whether it's good business or not. Christy, I guess one of the galling aspects here is there are some people who continue to get rich at Bombardier, even if the company's mismanaged, and that includes the Baudouin family, who won't get out of the way, and they're terrible managers. They are terrible managers. That's the really galling part. I agree with you. It, it's not even that people are getting rich, but that the company is so badly run. I mean, remember the... Um, the first fuss with the late still not delivered streetcars 
basically the upper management of Bombardier told the city of Toronto, eh, you know, go go to hell, don't bug us. We're trying. I I am gobsmacked that the, the company continues to get this kind of money, and I'm outraged if, as Jerry suggests, we don't know if Bombardier has repaid what it's bought or what it's got from us before. Enough already. You wouldn't do this to any other company but for one that you think buys you seats. Well, that's not quite true because Pratt & Whitney is pretty good at it as well. And other jurisdictions are doing this too, right? Pennsylvania does it, New York does it, the right, U.S. government does it. Right, but then it becomes it, this race. It's so, like the movie industry where every yeah. single city says, no, we'll give even more taxes yeah. off. And that doesn't make it right. I'm not saying it's right, right? What I'm saying is, is if we want to know whether this is good value for taxpayer dollars, we actually need to get into the details and, and assess whether or not Bombardier would have made that investment otherwise. But I do agree with you guys that Bombardier needs to be better run. For I sure. think New York should give them such a good deal they move there. Uh, Honest Ed's, the building's going to be uh, torn down. Robert, do you want to play your little tune? I came in like a wrecking ball. For whatever reason, Robert Turner seems to have a hate on for the Honest Ed's sign. The Honest Ed's sign, and it only dates back to the 80s, not to the 50s. Um, but Christy, should we preserve it because it's part of our city's heritage, or can we let this go? I can certainly let it go. Uh, I think it's ugly. That's why Robert probably doesn't like it. Um, it, it isn't one of those things that, you know, 50 years from now, people are want to going to look back on and get all kind of warm and fuzzy. I don't think, not the side. You, your memories are what keep you warm. I I don't think this has any sort of uh, historical beauty or merit. So if, if somebody wants to pay money and buy it, that's fine. But I, I don't think we need find storage space for it. Okay, maybe somebody actually texted in and said there was a snob factor here, Dave Trafford, because we saved the Sam the Record Man sign where all sorts of dreamy kids in the 70s bought records and grew up to become masters of the universe. But Ed's has always been a poor person's place, so let's leave it alone. Spent a lot of time buying the records at Sam's and so on when I was a kid. But we also went into A&A's. A&A's sign was as iconic on the downtown Toronto as, as Sam's. For whatever reason, we were married to Sam's because it was attached to a character. Yeah. Sam was a real guy who was in the store. Ed was a real guy who was in the store. That's what it more or less represents. The guy who's making the comments from Vancouver, so he should just shut up. And the issue is... <laughs> That's the architect. Who said it's just a bunch yeah, exactly. of lights. Exactly. Yeah. And the issue on this is I think the word heritage, if we actually get down and designate it as a heritage site, then there are all kinds of you know regulatory issues that kind of kick in and costs for the developer. But should we preserve it? Sure we should. And we should have put Sam's and, and Ed's signs at Dundas Square where it belongs. And just kind of that's part of the culture and the history of the city, and that's a great place for it. Well, you know, you, you can't preserve everything. You no, just I agree. can't. And there isn't necessarily a reason to. And, and what does heritage really mean? Robert Turner, who keeps track of this sort of thing, just pointed out to me that Return of the Jedi is older than the sign. So, you know, what exactly are well, we... if somebody tried to turn and burn that down, we'd be in real trouble. <laughs> well, I, hey, guys, I drove by that sign this morning on the way in. And I don't know if you, you realize, this sign spans the entire block. Yeah. And I actually personally think it, it may be iconic, but well, it is blocks, ugly, actually. right? Like, this is, a red, this is a red and yellow sign with a lot of old... I, I just think, and this is going to be a condominium, right? Like, would you want this on the front of your home? I don't know that I'd want it on the front of mine. Well, I guess that it yeah, doesn't I necessarily it, have to go there. I yeah. mean, I just think when it comes to garish things, for example, yes, the Ed sign is garish, but like as a kid, I would present day now, I would love to see one of those neon signs they used to have for Holiday Inn because all of us, when we were kids, traveled on the road and stayed in those motor inns. 
Um, I, I just think just because something's ugly doesn't mean it doesn't evoke your past. Well, it absolutely does. And if somebody wants to save it and wants to invest the money to do that, I'm not obviously opposed to that. But I, I, do, I do understand it represents part of our city's history. But, but I was just saying, I don't, I don't see you putting it on the front of a condo building at Bathurst and Blue. Listen, when Chum Radio moved from Young and St. Clair to this location, the question that most people had was, what's going to happen to the neon Chum sign? And it's hanging at the corner here as it should. It's part of the history of this broadcast industry in this country and certainly in this city. It's part of the culture. It's part of the fabric. I just, you know, it's it, to me, I think it's one of those things that we got to kind of have to connect us to where we were. Okay. I, the, the fact of the matter, though, is the company moved it. Okay? Oh, I agree. And yeah, I'm yeah. good with that. It just seems to me that the people who want to preserve heritage want to preserve it with somebody else's money. Wouldn't it be nice if they saved the news talk sign, mind you? Some days I walk under that neon and think, you know, we're doing pretty well, too. <laughs> okay, Canadians in a poll say they want Canada and really Justin Trudeau to stand up to Trump. So my question is, first of all, is a firm approach the right one? And is Trudeau up to it? Who wants to go first? Well, firm about what? Uh, because Canadians also, we just learned this morning, think that Donald Trump would be better on the economy and better on national security. So what exactly is, uh, are we wanting Trump to be tough, or uh, Trudeau to be tough about NAFTA okay but I I don't know that we're under threat but I think it's more of a problem for Mexico there's a saying in politics that you want to be hard on the issues and not on the person and I think probably my guess would be that a lot of Canadians would support Trudeau being hard on the issues where we have disagreement and tough in negotiating things like NAFTA but not necessarily hard on the person because when you're hard on the person you burn relationships and even with a guy like Donald Trump and his team relationships matter that would be my view of it Christy it seems that our cabinet is working pretty hard at romancing the Trump administration and so far it's going well they uh, really cottoned on to Christia Freeland they think our defense minister is the cat's pajamas. Uh, Justin goes down next week, but a lot of Canadians think we should be keeping our distance. Uh, what would you say? No, I don't think we can afford to keep our distance. I mean, uh, we're such a big trade partner and we're so close, etc. And I, I do agree with you. I think the uh, Trudeau government thus far appears to have been working hard to make this new relationship work, and that's exactly what I think most of us want him to do. We don't want him to end up in a Twitter war with the American president. We want him to do his job and do it as an adult. Yeah, I think it's been a very mature relationship so far, Dave, especially because Justin Trudeau, who was probably more given to the leftist impulse to sack Trump on Twitter, has stayed completely silent. Well, to some degree, I think this is also business as usual among the the, the, the working departments with finance, with you know foreign affairs, uh, with defense, where they've already had long-lasting relationships. So we're seeing probably a, m many of the deputy ministers and the bureaucrats who actually run those organizations and those departments who are reaching out across the border, making sure that, you know, everything is moving forward. It's it's important to note, for example, the, the defense secretary and the, and the defense minister are both soldiers. They have a whole lot in common. They've been in Afghanistan. These guys understand each other. So that discussion doesn't surprise me that they're getting along. Uh, should he be should he be tough? Well, the Mexican president was tough, and that's where that relationship has ended up, for better or for worse. So it, it, it would be, a, you know, and that's standing up for your own people. So I think there's two different things going on there. Quebec funeral directors are getting get together to discuss what to do about people taking pictures in front of open caskets and then sharing them on social media. Um, Jerry, it sounds macabre, but taking pictures of uh, dead bodies is nothing new since the invention of photography. Maybe this is just the way youngins do it. Well, it may not. Well, according to some of the pictures I saw, it's not just youngins who are doing this. It's just anybody with a cell phone. It's certainly not something that even crossed my mind when my parents passed away and I went to the funeral. In fact, I didn't even want the coffin open. But that's me. I mean, I, and, and I'm not going to transfer the way I would handle it to everybody else. If you want to take a picture at the funeral, do whatever you want. Okay. 
Okay, Chrissy, one of the problems is, and I'm, I sound like I'm kidding around, but one of the people in the picture did not give consent. But that's often the case, I'm afraid, you know. Uh, people people take pictures now without, well, they always have, without the, the person's consent, quite common. Um, I was amused, though, by one line in that story where it says, you know, there's nothing inherently disrespectful about taking a picture of yourself grinning like a moron with a dead person. And I completely disagree. I mean, fill your boots if that's what you want. But I think it is inherently disrespectful. It's inherently stupid as well. So, Well, it's also illuminating. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Folks. Anyone does that at my funeral, I'm coming back. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everybody.